Hey guys, welcome to another episode of FGC Philosophy. It is May and nearing the end, so that means Memorial Day weekend is right around the corner, which also means that Combo Breaker is right around the corner. May 25th, this Friday, Combo Breaker will be going on, 2018. So I figured I would bring out a conversation that I had back in 2016, which is still a very great conversation. I had it with Richard Thayer, AKA The Hado, the event organizer for Combo Breaker. Combo Breaker was the very first major or any kind of tournament that I had gone to. So this was a mind altering event for me. A while back, I reached out to Richard and asked if he would join me on a conversation, share his origins of how he started to do Combo Breaker, any tips, advice on how to grow your community and what combo breaker is even about if you guys don't know what combo breaker is it is probably the biggest definitely the biggest fighting game tournament it's a major uh, but it's a fighting game tournament in the midwest held near chicago every memorial day weekend since like 2015 it is one of the best events that i have ever gone to got to meet so many great people so many members of the fgc Ed Boone, Seth Killian, Maximilian, Mike Z, the list goes on and on, and other great players, people from all over the world go to Combo Breaker. So it's gonna be very great. Hopefully if you're going, I uh, will see you there. If you're watching this in the next year, make sure that you guys check out Combo Breaker if you live in the Midwest. It is definitely the best fighting game tournament to go to. Before we hop into the show, I have to thank my patrons. Patreon.com is a website where you can go online and help support the people that you like, the people that you follow, content creators, all kinds of people. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support me and that goes a long way. You think about a bunch of people putting in a dollar a month, it definitely helps out. That goes right back into FGC philosophy and future projects that I want to do as well as on-the-spot interviews at more tournaments. So you guys will definitely be helping me do what I love, and hopefully I'll be able to return the favor. There's different tiers to check out. So definitely check out patreon.com philosopher. That said, let's get right into the show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Just so you know, Combo Breaker was the very first fighting game tournament ever that I have attended. So I'm excited to go back again this year. It's not even next year at this point. It's uh, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's it's a couple of ways away. Um, right now it is May 13th. So we, um, we're almost there. And I, I don't know if my training is going to be good enough, but we'll, we'll see how I do. Um, I'm just excited to go there and meet a bunch of people. Hopefully get to meet you in person. But uh, yeah, uh, do you want to tell me how Combo Breaker got started? Combo Breaker got started because I was one of the staff members working on the Ultimate Fighting Game Tournament series that was also in Chicago, Illinois. Adam Hart ran that, ran it extremely well. It was one of the few series at the time that I think focused almost exclusively on tournament logistics in regards to making sure that attendee experiences were uniform um, in things starting and ending on time, which sounds like a pretty basic goal, but wasn't always a standard. It's uh, become something that's thankfully a bit more normalized now, but at the time was pretty rare. And so in working on those events, I built up a very strong affinity for the area, for the crew that helped make those events function. 
And being somebody from the Midwest, just the fact that this was our major event. This was where you went if you were anywhere down that center line of the country. Adam wound up taking a position with Iron Galaxy Studios to work on Dive Kick and Killer Instinct and a variety of other games that company produces. And in doing so, wound up really unable to kind of commit the time and energy necessary to put one of these events together. And so he stepped down. And so we had the last event of the Ultimate Fighting Game Tournament series in 2014, and it was going to be a sayonara, a goodbye, and everybody's going home, pack your bags. And while we were getting the kind of final stages of the event together, that just felt wrong. I was talking to buddies about it, and in Minnesota, one of the few events that was a fighting game event you could drive to, and I'm from Minnesota, so kind of the guys that are here matter a lot to me, was that tournament. And so at some point, I decided to do the somewhat crazy thing of, okay, fine, well, I'll run it. And so at that final UFTT event, we announced Combo Breaker 2015 and followed a lot of the traditions that we set forward within that series, but also tried doing quite a few different things in regards to branding and promotion and staging and some of the presentation scale that goes along with that. And um, reaction to that was positive. I think we had a good event last year. Public response was uh, on the happy side. And it seems like everybody who went had a good time because we have drastically increased in scale this year, starting with a new venue, but all the way through closing pre-reg and having over 1,300 players confirmed already. That's kind of where it got started, and that's a really short version of the story for where it's at. Speaking of which, uh, as of right now, I believe you have the highest cap for Street Fighter V entrance. Is that right? Uh, we have the highest cap for a ranking event. Mm. Both Final Round already achieved a 1,000-plus man tournament, and CEO has a 1,024-man cap for their tournament. Wow. For us, we were banking, I shouldn't say banking, but we were planning our Street Fighter tournament around other ranking events in the country, which had been seeing three to 400 attendees. So the 512 that we were planning for was already larger than that. And we stayed pretty consistently in that target until about the last week and a half, where leading into registration closing, we spiked all the way to 512 in about a 24-hour period, which, not that uncommon, most people do register late in the curve. But it was one of those things where that meant there were a considerable number of players who were planning on coming or for lack of purchasing things in the order that makes sense to me had flights and hotels but hadn't registered for the tournament and crashed my Twitter app and over blew my email box going, I can't get in, let me in, what do we do? So we went back and did some math on how much space we had versus the equipment that we were going to have available to us versus the staff that we knew would be good enough and trained well enough to moderate that many people and discovered that we could raise our cap to 640 without it being a detriment to the rest of the tournament or the other 19 games that we're running since our event is by no means just the Street Fighter V tournament. Definitely. Raise the cap, the capped again. I mean, we're, we're at that 640. It took two days. So we have at this time what is the largest bracket for a Capcom Pro Tour ranking event Truthfully, I think we probably could have gone larger, but I wanted to make sure that we could run both a solid tournament for the people that have attended, but also make sure that we would not have so many people in the area to overburden the other 19 games that were running either. 
Yeah, definitely. And with that experience from working at the other event, it seems like you really have a, a good handle. I, I've got to say, uh, to, to go back on a topic before, it was my first tournament. It really set a standard for me because I've gone to other tournaments since since then. And um, I don't want to say I was disappointed, but Combo Breaker was, I, I mean, the, there's no other way to put it. It sounds kind of cheesy, but it definitely changed my life on the gaming, competitive gaming perspective and as a journalist. I, I've met multiple celebrities in the game sphere. I got to talk to Ed Boone and he was a super cool guy. Never thought that would happen. Seth Keelian, uh, Mike Z was there. I believe Maximilian was there. How how does it feel having these people? And I think that was the first year. How does that feel having these people attend these events? So Ed's actually come to some other Chicago tournaments. He's dipped in and left. He um, Ed's a very interesting game developer in that he is very attuned to his community. He is very present in the community. Um, he's the kind of guy where you can get on social media and see him clowning around with top players, given your local favorite a little bit of trash talk for losing or thinking a character is overpowered or needs a nerf or, or things like that. But it feels great. Having someone like Seth come and say they enjoyed the event feels great. Having someone like Ed wandering the floor so that you can meet him and f have that moment in your fandom is fantastic. For me personally, the, the thing that kind of invigorates me, I love when those guys go. That's important. That's cool. But... The thing that I find more engaging is someone like you on this call going, that was my first tournament. I had an amazing time. Other products haven't lived up quite to the standard I thought I was going to encounter, but this one, your tourney, that was great. That's why these things exist. That's what I want to go to. That's what I want it to be about. Every time we can have one more of you having that feeling, having that experience, that makes me want to run 90 more of these. That's, that's awesome. What made you get into doing tournaments in these events? I got involved in my local tourney scene a lot of years ago. There's a, there's a company in Minnesota called Games and Go that at the time was running monthly events. I had gotten Street Fighter 4, had gotten to where I thought I was great at the game, went to one of those local tournaments and just got wrecked. I just obliterated. And stayed in the community hungrily trying to get better at the game, going to tournaments every month, every other week, anything they threw or anything that I could find. And then eventually going to state scale tournaments where you wind up cramming at the time, way too many people in too small a room with as much gear as you could find that's mixed master gear. So it's this guy's computer monitor, that guy's TV, that guy's CRT, that guy's travel case contraption. And having a good experience at that, but then going to an event called Focus Fire over in Wisconsin where when I walked into the room, um, all the equipment matched. And it was the first tournament where all I'd gone to where all the equipment matched, where I knew who the volunteer staff were or the bracket runners were because they had a T-shirt that said staff on the back. Um, it was the first event I'd gone to that had a semblance of a live stream and a main stage and a production. And the the sensation of this is overwhelmingly cool was just omnipresent. And it, it seemed that way for everyone that was there. And I wanted to be a part of that feeling as many times as humanly possible. So I started going to every event I could in and out of state. Um, I started working volunteer shifts at events from Minnesota to Texas to Florida to California. Um, and did my best to be of service to any of the people that were running those tournaments. Um, a big part of my friendship with 
Alex Bailey down at CEO that's grown into me being one of the guys that puts on that event stemmed from the fact that I went to that first one and there was another guy hungrily trying to do more with his event to make sure the experience for the attendees was at the absolute maximum of whatever it could be within budget and staff restrictions. Um, and I just, I, I, to this day, find myself chasing that around. I want to build event experiences that are great for people. Um, and I want to build event experiences that when my buddies back home go to them afterwards, they get to, they get to talk trash about how good it was or get to talk to me because it's in their region. And there's just not much here <laughs> or, or get to come back and talk to me and go, this was amazing for this, 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 and this reason. And that doesn't happen that often, or that doesn't happen enough. Can you do more of it? Can we do more of it? Can, how, how do we get more of it? It's the, um, I don't know. It's just, it's the fandom thing. Even when uh, you were still starting off, you were going to these events and, and just volunteering. Um, you weren't getting paid for these, right? No, I, I worked 40, 50 events without seeing a penny. Wow. But you did gain some valuable knowledge. Um, that's the whole purpose. I, I, I come from a, a design background. I came from a tattoo shop background. I came from a failed musician's background. I play a guitar extremely poorly. The skateboarding culture, things where you can't learn what you need to know until you do it. And more importantly, you don't know what you don't know until you've done it a lot. And I think gaming events, particularly, there's a lot of that. You look at an event and you just go, it's some consoles and it's people. That's all you need. And if you boil it down to its bare minimum, that's true. But the amount of things that it takes aside of those two things or on top of those two things or conjoined with just those two basic needs, it seems to grow by the year in an almost endless way. And so I didn't even recognize a lot of the things that went into good and effective tournament preparation and then event preparation, because I think those are two different things, until I was probably... 20 events deep because it took that many events to get past well does the equipment match and do i know where my pool is yeah and on the note of of running the tournaments uh there are some like micro rules or sub rules whatever you want to call them uh, there's a few that i kind of want to touch on real quick one being uh coaching and you had a very specific coaching rule if i believe correctly for the 2016 comma breaker uh what was your stance on that? So I look at coaching in a couple of ways. There's, there's effective coaching, which I think applies to any sport, any competition. Uh, mm -hmm. You get done in the middle of a boxing match. You go to your corner. Somebody says, watch for the left hook. You're getting obliterated. And I'm a firm believer that that's fine. I think the bigger problem we have in gaming is when you have 10 coaches shouting in your ear at once or you have somebody talking to you in the middle of a game. Um, and I think that's a holdover from other games too. I mean, I can go to a, a Call of Duty event, for instance, where um, you have a coach on a team who can talk to the team while they're playing. Um, and I don't like that because I think it takes away from the the one-on-one -on -one quality of a fighting game. But I don't think there's anything wrong with getting either the in-between match advice or having somebody in your corner that just tells you, relax, be patient, calm down. 90% of the advice I hear people give during a video game tournament is, dude, relax. Yo, homie, calm down. <laughs> Don't wake up DP so much. Like advice that isn't even really advice. It's not, it's, it's very rarely somebody, unless you have Justin Wong in your corner going, 
he's doing these same two things and it's this version of a trap and it's this version of a uh, of a strategy or a gimmick watch out and so combo breaker i don't want to take that away so what we do is we tell somebody that if you're going to start a match you have to have your coach selected when the match starts you don't get to change them out you don't get to have 10 buddies you don't get to have 30 sets of eyeballs and that in between the games not the individual rounds of the match not not during the match, but in between. So you play your two rounds, you win or you lose. You have that one-minute break then before the next one starts, which even if you don't have a coach, you're allowed to take that just so you can sit and breathe. You can have somebody in your corner that then tells you, yo, relax, calm down, watch for the wake-up dragon punch. Definitely. Um, people that try to abuse that have too many coaches or try to coach for five minutes or take extra breaks. We we do have rule sets for to kind of keep that in check all the way up to you can DQ yourself out of your bracket. But I, I've yet to experience anybody that we actually have to engage that level of punishment with. Normally it's just, yo, your minute's up, get back to it, and then they get right back to it. Cool. Yeah, and, and I actually agree 100% with, with that. I have a martial arts and boxing background, so that's how I see it. And and sometimes you just need that that talking to to calm you down. Sometimes you do need that advice, but it is a coach, not a, a counsel or a co-pilot. Um, it's a coach. So I, I'm glad to hear that. I heard that James Chin talked about that uh, from, from Ultra Chin. And I heard that and I was like, wow, that's, I agree 100% with how that is. Because Evo, I believe there's a no coaching rule whatsoever, if I remember correctly. So that's, that's really good that you did that. I'm happy about that. The other question that I wanted to ask was, actually, it's not my question. It's from other people who um, really wanted to have some questions in here was the, the death pool that uh, NCR did where if you applied late and you missed your brackets, you have like a death pool where you all kind of just duke it out to get into the, I can't remember the actual bracket, but I wanted to know what your thoughts were on death pools. I like death pools. Yeah. So death pools hit a, a couple of things that people do like. They're, they're incredibly entertaining. Um, you take a death pool and all of a sudden every match seems like it is of increased importance. Um, you take a death pool like NCR, and every match is fantastic because your death pool is a tournament in and of itself. It's 100 people, not 100 people, it's 40 people deep, and that includes a bunch of internationals that you want to watch anyways. Um, I don't think death pools realistically are going to be that at every event. There's going to be some event where a death pool is 13 people and they're all locals. There's going to be events where death pools aren't sustainable. Like if I decided that death pools are what we're going to do with uh, late registration or on-site reg, I have 20 games. Moderating 20 death pools is foolhardy. And I don't want to be in a situation where, well, Street Fighter has a death pool because it's bigger than Vampire Savior. Because all that's doing is telling these two player bases that they're not the same. And I don't believe that. A player is a player. I don't care what game you've signed up for. So I, I believe pretty strongly in caps. I try to set caps that you're never going to hit. Um, this is the first tournament. I've run myself where we had to hit a cap where I think it would have been irresponsible to go above this. But again, we thought we were planning for something that wouldn't get hit at all. Um, our cap right now is well over twice the size of our entire tournament last year and was larger again than comparative tournaments from the ranking category on the Capcom Pro Tour. I also think that death pools for all of their entertainment value um, punish the wrong thing there are players that can't register for an event till late. There's an element going around of always saying, uh, plan ahead, plan early. Um, 
I went to a ton of events where you crowded into a car with six guys and then shared a single hotel room because everybody was barely making ends meet and you were irresponsibly going to tournaments because it was the one thing at the time that you looked forward to with your friends. Um, I don't always think it's that people spent too much beer money and then forgot to register for the tourney. Not to say that it doesn't happen. That happens too. I just don't think that's every person that's registering late. And so I think there's things to do for late registrants to punish them on their on the inability to either register within the allotted window. And for something like Combo Breakers, just so we know, that, that registration window is from December to May. And we don't do early birds. We don't do seven pricing tiers. There's regular reg, and then there's late reg, and then we're done. And then on-site reg functions exclusively as emergency registration where if there's an open buy in the bracket, and you're willing to pay enough money that my bracket team doesn't hate you, you can register. But for something like Street Fighter right now, there's no buys in the bracket. There's no on-site registration. So that late reg window was the window. And the last little thing that I, I wanted to ask uh, from another member was about converters. Where are your stances on converters for fight sticks and controllers and such? I'm fine with them as long as we can document and prove that they don't in any way affect either tournament play or the equipment. So we've had converters in the past that have shorted out USB drives. We've had converters that eat inputs, your inputs, or your opponent's inputs randomly. Um, and those kinds of things you just you can't have in a tournament setting where there's already a lot of variables to try to control. Um, there are a few things on the market that allow you to have converters uh, converter availability, things like the uh, dual mods that some of the uh, Vico and Gumond and Ducky and Clayton travel the country putting in for everybody. Things like the Brooks board and the Brooks super converter so far, outside of the fact that you have to update them, haven't shown any negative impact for players or tournaments. Mm -hmm. So those are actually legal at my event. Awesome. I have one of those. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for those. And you do have a lot, more than I've seen of any other tournament that I've been to so far. You have a lot of non-fighting game stuff to do. Um, you have the 24-hour arcade venue. Yeah, well, it's a 24-hour arcade venue. So we have arcade cabinets so that you can still kind of experience the history of where this community came from. And then all of our consoles, when they're not being used for a tournament pool, are available for free play. And then outside of tournament hours, all the way up until 3 in the morning and then start over again at 3.01 in the morning, we're not going to shut the door. And that stems from, I traveled around a lot, and my favorite part of going to an event, no matter how good the event was, often was getting crammed into a hotel room with 10 other guys to play cassettes until our eyes bled. <laughs> and the part of that that I don't like, because it sucks, is cramming 10 guys into a hotel room. It's not comfortable, it's smelly, it's hot, it's just not a good experience. So when we booked the venue for Combo Breaker last year, and then part of the venue hunt for this year was making sure we could have a space that if you want to play, you can play. I'm not going to tell you to go to sleep. Nobody's going to kick you out. Your mom and dad aren't standing behind you to remind you that your homework's due. It's you're here to play games. So play games. That is awesome. That definitely uh, brings back some nostalgia from me of doing the same thing. Uh, just having sleepovers and playing all kinds of games, streets of rage, um, all kinds of cool co-op games or fighting games. Uh, so that's, that's awesome to have that, that spirit of camaraderie in a huge room. So that's good. A few questions I want to ask are mainly, uh, I guess, developmental questions. There's a lot of people who want to do 
what you're doing. They want to be, uh, you know, they see you as, as very successful in the fighting game realm. Do you have any advice for people who did want to start doing tournaments? I mean, you've kind of already talked about the way you got started, but if you have any advice on how to, I don't want to say speed it up, but a direction that they can go in. So there's always four things to say when anybody asks this question. Uh, yep. The first one is notoriety is not success. Um, I've been part of an extremely large number of events that you would not consider financially successful. I've been in part of events that you wouldn't even consider socially successful. They were just events. And getting into events and wanting to do events or and wanting to do gaming events, um, you're going to have to network because there's lots of people that want to do every aspect of an event from top to bottom, and there's going to be lots of people that are capable of it. So figuring out what you have to offer that's a specific thing to the team is going to be important. I got a little lucky in that my background came from design. So when I got involved with a lot of events, it became, well, I can help with logistics. I can help with brackets. I can help with uh, staging or layout. And then I can design the flyer. A huge part of the early events that I was part of was because I could design a flyer or a stream graphic. So mm -hmm. it wasn't even that I was valuable as an event guy. I just kind of wiggled my way in. Um, the second thing, you know, third thing, go to events. If you're asking, how do I get into events? How do I work at events? How do I help events? And the only time you're asking the question is from your couch. You will never have an answer because the answer is always going to be go and work. Prove that you have something to offer your community more than desire. Everybody wants to do something. People that do something are the people that got up and failed a lot. It's just like the game that way. Sit there in training mode and do sure you can until you can do them. Go to events and run brackets until it feels like breathing. And then the fourth thing is once you've gone to enough events, do the networking. Um, and be willing to go either outside of your comfort zone or be willing to be the guy that's not the guy. Um, I go to scenes around the country where there's six or seven people all trying to run the big monthly tournament, or there's five guys that are trying to be the streamer, or three people that want to make sure that, aside from being the best player, that they're also the key guy for seeding all the brackets. If I can go say anything that I think is of value is, if you go to any scene and all of those people were willing to work together and nobody needed to be the guy on top, everybody wins. And I don't say, and, and I know that always sounds odd now because I, I run an event and people look at me and go, you run that event, you're on top. I'm not the top guy at CEO. I'm not the top guy at Big House, which I help out with. I'm not anywhere near one of the top guys at Evo, which I try to help out every year. And any event I go to from NCR through Yomacon in Detroit through the couple of times I've had the nicety of going down to Texas Showdown, that entire scene is wonderful. People should go there more. Hmm. I offer to run a bracket still. I offer to put on the staff shirt and be a nobody because there's no value in being somebody. There's value in being a guy willing to help out, being a guy willing to do something for the advancement and the betterment of everybody around them. Your main goal is to have a name, don't work events, because the name type stuff goes away. Be a, be a great player if that's your goal. Because on the event side, it's just doing the work over and over and over and over again until it's expected that you're doing the work. You're just the guy that other people assume is there doing it. 
And that's the point that people call and ask you for your help is when they just assume that you're already there anyways. That's how I got my first event gig. An event uh, called me up going, hey, what's your opinion on this thing that we're doing next month? And I went, I don't know. I'm not going to that one. And then they offered uh, to get me the gas money to make it to the event. Just thought I was supposed to be there to do that thing. That's that's really amazing. I'm I'm impressed by how humble you are and the fact that um the way you describe that. I, I've always said before that, that tournaments are like an ecosystem. It's not just one person. It's a collective of people and everyone really helps each other. You can't have just the fighting game players or the TOs. You have the spectators. You have all the other people that really help make this thing continue to grow, not just survive. And um, you're doing really well at that. And I'm very, very thankful to have you on the show. I wish I had more time, would ask you some more questions, but I'm really appreciative. And I thank you so much. If there's anything that you want to say to the people or anywhere that you want them to go, you can let them know now. And I'll also put any links to anything in the show notes as well in the description down below. I would say check out combobreaker.org. And then outside of that, whatever region you're in, whatever state you're in, go to your local events. Big events happen because local scenes develop. Even if your local crew is only four guys, if you're four guys that passionately play all the time and try to get more people to come, you'll wind up being five guys. That'll wind up being six. It's going to take longer than you want it to, and you'll get frustrated, but that'll wind up being ten. And pockets of ten people are, are, are what build out all of these communities and these events. It's just lots and lots of those little pockets of people. So go be one of those pockets. That way everybody gets to have a good time. All right, there you have it. Thank you so much for joining. I really, really appreciate it, and I can't wait to see you in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, maybe after the show, when things are a little less hectic, we can kind of have the, the long-form chat that I can tell you're itching for. All right, I would look forward to that, sir. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. No. <laughs>